Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this week, well, we're actually coming to you from Seattle. So if this sounds a little weird or a little different, uh, it's because I'm in a basement uh, at a friend's house. Well, actually, that friend's Richard Monroe. He's one of the coders here. So you've probably heard him on the podcast or you've heard me talk about him. So I'm in Seattle visiting him, and I'm on my way down to EditFest, L.A., so if you haven't gotten your tickets to EditFest LA, make sure to check it out at EditFest.com uh, because I'm going to be there and I'm going to be hosting an event afterwards. So if you go to AOTG.com slash LA event 2015, then you'll actually get to see our latest event that we're going to be doing. And it's a pub night and it's in conjunction with Ace's EditFest. So it's something you should definitely check out. As you know, we've switched up things on the cutting room and what we're planning on doing is doing more current films that are coming out and sort of interviewing editors of what's coming out, what's the latest release, that type of thing. So last week we did Ant-Man, but because I'm in transit here and I'm in Seattle, I don't have access to all my equipment. In fact, I'm just carrying my recorder with me and a lav mic. So what I'm going to be doing this week is I was given permission by Manhattan Edit Workshop to release the panel that I did in June for the Sight, Sound and Story event. And that panel was called the Great Unscripted, The Real in Reality. And I sit down with Alana Yudin, Joe Shuck, and Julie Bob Lombardi and discuss editing reality television. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an excerpt this week from that. Then this weekend, I'm going to Edit Fest, and of course we're going to the pub night. And after that, I'll release another podcast that will be an excerpt from the LA Edit Fest. So make sure to listen for that. One other thing before we get into this week's episode Make sure to also check out AOTG.com for our constant updates as well as our new discussion section, AOTG.com discuss. You can check it out and you can join any of the discussions that come up. I'm of course going to post a discussion link for this and it'll be at AOTG.com reality. What you can do is you can go to AOTG.com reality and that'll take you to this week's podcast page and in there there'll be a discussion link and you can join a discussion with that. So make sure to check that out. And of course, if you have any content that's post-production related, make sure to submit it at AOTG.com. Or of course, use our post-production plugins at AOTG.com plugins to do it directly from your browser. Makes it a lot simpler, guys. Now, one last thing before I get into this week's podcast, and that is our last live discussion went great. If you missed it, it was with John Venzen, ACE, talking about editing South Park. And what we've started doing in this new discussion area is hosting live discussions where we have AMAs with some of the top editors, VFX artists, what have you. And our next one's coming up. We have the team from, if I had a drum roll, I'd play it right here, but I don't. We have some of the VFX team from the latest Avengers Age of Ultron, and they're going to be taking your questions. So you can go to AOTG.com live, and that'll direct you to a reminder page for the Age of Ultron live discussion. It's gonna happen August 19th at 12 p.m. PST. Uh, and in there, there will be either an email reminder that you can sign up for, or you can actually just come back to that page on the 19th. So that's aotg.com live. Make sure to join us and don't miss out on this one. With that said, here's a section from our panel with Alana, Joe, and Julie Bob. I would say the there, there have been several times that I've said no. Um, but it was uh, maybe less based on uh, an ethical reason and just more because I didn't think that the suggestion being made was going to serve the story. 
Um, well, the, the one time there was more of like an ethical thing happening was, uh, it was back in the day I was working on a show called Wife Swap where uh, it's um, two families with opposing uh, ideologies. Uh, the mothers or wives uh, swap, pos swap uh, positions basically for two weeks and each one is supposed to learn a lot about the other family and this was sort of, this was one of the more typical uh, wife swap tropes where it was, you know, the rich woman from the city goes to work on the farm. And on her first day on the farm, one of her tasks was to supervise the castrating of a pig. And the producers wanted me to cut this scene. And I was like, I refuse. I cannot even watch this footage. Who is not going to change the channel when they hear this pig screaming? And I really, I had to put my foot down about that. So... And it also, there were other ways to tell the story um, that would show her, you know, in, 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 a, in a fish out of water type of situation. Mm -hmm. So it, that was pretty easy to say no to. I mean, for me, it's, it's what's like kind of believable. Um, ethics goes a long way, but the real and reality television is that you're faced with constraints, you're faced with budgets, you're faced with time, deadlines. We have crazy deadlines and, and we have to make things work. So... You know, we're not going out there super producing scenes, so we pretty much get what we get. And then if a scene's flat, we're not going back there the next week. Most of the time, we're not going back there the next week to reshoot and hope that they do it better. We have to make it work in the edit. So, you know, and that's with music, that's with Frankenbiting, and I'm not sure if some of you maybe define that. It's just when you take interview bites or, you know, parts of verite and you make sentences that work a little bit better. Not necessarily making people say what they don't want, but if people you know, stumble or you want to accentuate a point, um, to really use that as your tool. So, I mean, as far as like drawing the line, for me it's like, how much can you not fool the audience, but make them believe what you want them while trying to keep the story and keep the truth within what you're t telling in, in the best way possible. Because the bottom line is, we don't have endless amounts of money. <laughs> we don't. So um, you only have 8 to 12 weeks to cut a show. Um, you know, my show is about 8 to 12 weeks for an hour long. It's a lot of stuff to do in that amount of time. And that's like with three or four passes. So you really got to make those decisions quick and you got to stand by them. Um, yeah. Well, you were, you, so you brought up a good point that you guys have really tight schedules and mounds of footage. So how do you guys go about tackling the amount of footage that comes in for what they're giving you essentially documentary amount of footage and yet you have to cut it in a shorter period. It definitely period depends on the shop you're working at. You know, some places have, you know, if they have a lot more shows, they have armies and armies of loggers. Like, I know the first 48 over at ITV, they have, like, people who work at night and they're pretty much just marking and logging and marking and logging. And it makes the life for the editor a lot easier and or the sequencers or the assistant editors. Um, but for, for my show, I work for a small shop, so... Very small team, and we're working with hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage. And yes, there are outlines, and, and yes, but one of the things that I love about my show, and shows in general for some reality, especially docuseries, is that there's a loose outline of what they want the scene to be about. But then all of a sudden, you watch this raw footage. If, you're, if you have the time, if you're lucky enough as an editor, which you most likely don't, have the time to watch the raw footage, and you get to see what else is there. And that's when you actually get to become more part of the process than just pushing a, but, a bunch of buttons and listening to a producer. I, th I think sure. for me, like, I always watch the raw footage. Yeah, me too. I make the time. There's, there's never, like, I'm not watching... They don't really selects. like that, but... I, <laughs> that's not my... That's mm -hmm. not how I work. I, like, I 
I watch the raw. You can, you know, I don't, I love the producers telling me what they kind of want the scene about. I like when they say the feel, like, do they want it funny? Do they want it dramatic? Do they, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the essence is. And then you just, you just dive in and do it. It's, you know, the longer you edit and the more you do this and, you know, depending, you know, if you're on season three, it's a lot easier to know what you're looking for. So it's just, you just kind of watch it and do it, right? Yeah. I'm the same way. I'll use, the producer will give me a string out of selects and I'll use it just as a guideline as, okay, well, you you kind of want it to go this way. Okay, (laughs) fine. Thank you. Goodbye. And then dip back and find what you need to find because you're going, you as the editor are going to see things very differently than the way a producer sees it. And you're, um, because you're, you're used to manipulating you're the footage different. and producers, right. uh, you know, some of them are very good, but some of them don't know how to watch footage and know how you can manipulate it. Mm-hmm. So they aren't going to pull something because they think, oh, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or, or they don't, you know, they're not going to give you the audio of something that's, you know, not on camera, but there's this great audio you can cheat for something. that. So you, you have to look mm-hmm. at it yourself. You have to go through the footage to find everything. That way you have all the pieces of the puzzle to make the best picture. And ultimately, it does end up saving time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if three hours was shot for a, a two-minute scene, um, I have three hours. Yeah. I can take a look. And, and um, when you have notes, you already time. know, you know, you, you already know, what know you're the for. answers. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we were joking before how we have short-term memories. I, you can ask a lot of my close friends that I lose my keys and wallet very often. But for, uh, for some reason, when I watch down Raw things just click in my brain yeah. that like when I'm cutting the scene later I'll remember that that existed now were they talking about the same exact thing no but is it a sentence that I can make work with in that moment that I need to yeah and unfortunately producers like you said sometimes they don't think like that and that's why you know we're hired to do the job yeah, that well we that's do. not their job right yeah, their exactly. job is to tell you the you but know, with deadlines kind of what they want you know, going back to the, the deadlines essence, yeah. we're you know, I'm finding it more and more where sometimes they're like, you don't have time to watch the raw. You don't have time to watch the cut down. Never you just got to get to that. It's crazy. Yeah. I would, no. <laughs> I'd be you, like, you, I, well, I still watch it. Don't get me wrong, but. No, you have to use every tool you're given. And yeah. each piece of footage is a tool. And, um, you know, I think the difference really in the way editors look at the footage and the way producers or just somebody who hasn't been editing might watch the footage is as one ongoing uh one ongoing scene when you just watch the raw there's no cuts it's just stuff Mm -hmm. happening in real time but as an editor you need to watch every second and every frame as its own entity every piece of audio is its own entity so because you're looking for glances you're you're looking looking for for looks you're looking for smirks you're looking for anything any piece to make whatever yeah to to make the story more believable or more funny or more dramatic so if you you know if the the camera catches somebody giving a stink eye to the producer or audio guy or whatever (laughs) you you can always use that to to manipulate the edit which is so important now you you mentioned uh story producers there for a bit and i was wondering because some people might not have worked with story producers or don't know what they do. I was wondering if you guys could sort of go into their responsibility. In, uh... I think a good story producer is heaven sent. I love them. If they can go through the footage and know, you know, know the story, know what you can use. They have, you know, A stories, B stories, and like, oh, you know, all hell breaks loose. We have a C story that we could probably fudge. 
it really it's mm -hmm. a pleasure to work on that because then you could really focus on the edit like sometimes in reality it takes so much to get the story that the edit kind of suffers because you're trying to figure out what you're saying so you don't have a lot of time to make it the most beautiful or the funniest or you know it, it, it's, it's not 100 percent right but if you have a good story producer that kind of already has the story arched out for you and you can really focus on the edit it's it's great mm -hmm. and a really good story editor editor will also be able to help you find those pieces you need yeah um and yeah it is really a pleasure to work yeah. with a great story producer because they're effectively your teammate and there's not many collaborations there, but so they're good when they're good they're, they're usually good, they're really so good. good that you're like oh my god this person's amazing uh -huh. i want to keep working don't with ever this person. become yeah. an executive producer yeah stay, <laughs> stay in your position yeah. right now yeah i mean you made a good point great is the key word here um i think it's a collaborative effort a lot of the time like sometimes you kind of just want to dig into the footage and you know do it all by yourself but to have someone there to bounce ideas off with um usually you have an assistant editor and yes they're they're helping you out but they're they're not as experienced enough that you can bounce off ideas with them. So story producer, you know, if you're not super confident about your edit, it's good to, you know, get fresh eyes from them. And they, like you said, they know the arc of the, of the episode. You know, we're, we're talking about like moments, A and B stories of scenes. Sometimes they're thinking about A and B stories of this episode. And then other people, series producers are thinking about the A, B and C stories of the whole series. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's a lot of hands that need to, you know, be helping out with this to work out effectively. And yeah, I agree. Um, story producers are awesome if they're if they're great. There is a power struggle sometimes though that I find where I don't know if you guys can agree. Sometimes you're never really sure like who is the person who's actually making the decisions. Me. Exactly right. I don't want to sound. That's who it is ultimately. I mean, ultimately it's you, but sometimes story. I got the keyboard. Story producers may feel the other way. So finding someone that's kind of there to assist and also bounce ideas off of. Like if someone suggests something and I think it's a, a worth trying, I'll do it. But if it's not. You know, I try to do all the ideas if I have time. I, even if I don't think I'll work, I try to make it the best I can just in case because uh, there are times that I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no and, way. And, and, no yeah, way. and then you cut something and you're like, oh my God, it totally works. This is great. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to work. So I try not to be too like, I'm not doing that. It's not going to work unless it's like, you know, four days worth of work and it's probably not. Yeah, you work. have to. You have to. But, but I, I love collaborating with different editors. Like I love, you know, when we're in a series, I always drag people into my edit and I'm like, guys, watch this. Is it funny? Does it work? And I, I love going into other people's edits and looking at stuff. I think, you know, you don't make TV by yourself. No. You don't make films by yourself. It's, you know, even though you're the only one in the room, somebody can add something, you know, and it's, and I welcome the, the comments. And if you're working on something for eight weeks, like working on an episode, Things stop being funny real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're working those late nights or you're just like, what made you laugh when you first st started watching The Raw four or five weeks ago is no longer even a smirk worth of, like, funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. So bringing in the other editor and, like, you know, judging, they're your first audience, a story producer or, you know, an editor, someone who has fresh eyes, and that's, like, very important to see how they react. Cause they're, and they're in the business, so they, they're looking for technical things as well. But, yeah, I always do the same. So that was my panel. Remember, if you want more, you can go to sightsoundandstory.com. You can see the next panels and events that they're going to be doing. Of course, you can always get us on AOTG.com, on Twitter, at AOTG Network, on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network. 
And of course, you can always join us in our discussion section, aotg.com discuss. Thanks to Manhattan Edit Workshop for allowing us to post this. And of course, to Alana, Joe, and Julie, I'm Gordon Raquel. Thanks for listening.